Imagine the impact of the combination of these five things for financial institutions like banks and credit unions, insurance and wealth companies, and the tech and solution providers that work with them. New competitors coming out of nowhere with great products. Accelerating adoption of digital channels by your customers. The introduction of new tech that makes what incumbents have obsolete way before it's paid for. Customers always evolving needs. And finally, the unpredictability of life. Things like a pandemic that has changed the way we all do things fundamentally. Combine all of that together, and I call that the FinTech effect the pressure for financial institutions to change faster than ever before. This is the FinTech Effect podcast, and I am Sue Britton. I created this podcast for innovators and leaders inside of these companies who want ideas and solutions to some of the challenges they are facing because of the pressure to change quickly. My guest today is Anna Fote, a passionate innovator who focuses on ensuring that teams are solving a customer problem using design. Her role is Strategic Global XD Education at Sun Life. Anna and I talk about what the FinTech effect is, and then she reflects on some of her big company innovation experiences, which include (laughs) what not to do, some lessons learned, and the importance of empathy and empowerment. Welcome, Anna. Well, it's so great to be here. And anytime you call, I'm game to, you know, ride side (laughs) saddle with you, as you well know. So it's absolutely my pleasure to be here. Um, And by way of introduction, I work at Sun Life. I work in global marketing. Um, I perform a function that's kind of interesting. I certainly love it. Um, Helping our executives understand the power of design and design as a tool to to create strategy. Um, So along with every kind of tool that's very familiar to the insurance industry, you know, actuarial science, there's lots of accountants, there's lots of number crunching, there's lots of quantitative analysis to try to really spend some time with them, showing them that some of the qualitative ways of knowing can really help inform and de-risk the kind of future of insurance or the future of what we want to do, maybe not in the next few quarters, but in the next few years. Wow. That's, that's, I've never heard you put it that way. That's great. Can you give uh, a little example of what that looks like so that people can relate to it? So, you know, just like every big incumbent, we, with really good intention, decide that we're going to tackle a problem. And oftentimes, just like most big incumbents, we sit in a boardroom and we all talk to each other about it. We're very smart people. We know many things. Um, (laughs) And so we talk through it. And we go, we know we have the solution. We're competent, you know, useful people with a bias towards action. And we just start building the solution. We often don't really check in with members, sponsors, advisors, employees, depending on what it is we're doing, to see what their actual issue is. We're often very clear on what our issue is. Like, we would like it if everyone digitally onboarded. (laughs) But we don't understand necessarily why our clients will or won't do that or what Mm -hmm. would motivate them to do it. And so a lot of the work is trying to bring the client back into the center of everything that we do to say, It's great that we have an organizational desire to do X, Y, Z. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, but how we do it 
and if we want to be successful, it's critical to actually talk to the people we're going to either be doing it to or with um, mm-hmm. and figure out what their thoughts, beliefs and desires are about this so that we can tailor this thing that's organizationally important to us in a way that's going to be appealing to whoever our target user group is so that they adopt the thing and we get the results that we talked about right. in PowerPoint. And is that a part of, you know, a bigger innovation process that Sun Life uses or where does it fit in terms of, or is it actually part of, because you mentioned global marketing, but, um, you know, like the traditional innovation, uh, I don't know, people like to call them innovation teams, but capabilities, you know, sort of specialized approaches to things like what, where does it sit in terms of that in the organization? I've been moved around organizationally, I think not for no reason. So prior to kind of fully being inside global marketing um, was dual reporting into IT strategy and kind of global marketing. Um, But, you know, we're a big complicated organization. So I think I become less concerned about where I'm at organizationally and what I'm trying to do increasingly is orient the work. So to Mm -hmm. say to folks that are journey designers, for example, like, the stuff that I'm doing really has no impact on the amazing work that you do. I'm trying to figure out before we get started, are we asking the right question? Like, Mm. is our thesis correct? Have we done enough research? Do we know enough about the problem? So that when it gets to people executing, we're actually solving for a problem that has merit as opposed to, I went to a conference and I heard a guy and I think that we should, you know, all of a sudden pivot and do this thing over here, which may or may not be indicative. We do a lot of, you know, it's right. easy to become an N of one. I feel this way. So everyone must feel this way. When you hear that sort of phrase, the FinTech effect, what, is, what does it make you think? Or what do you think the FinTech effect is, has done to Sun Life, is doing I think for me, like, as you know, I love the startup scene. So I'm very kind of watching signals and very interested in what people are doing. So for me, very interested in what smaller, more niche, more agile companies are doing, because what I do is go, huh, they actually think the problem is this problem. And they're Mm -hmm. trying to solve this problem in this way. We have both the advantage and the disadvantage of kind of being big and having to be all things to many people. But watching what smaller agile companies are doing, I think regardless of even if you take no action as the big incumbent, you would be foolish not to kind of do a scan on a fairly regular basis to go, huh, there seems to be a lot of energy around this concept that either is not on our radar and and maybe Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be or Mm -hmm. We haven't thought about the problem the same way. And again, I go back to, is it because we don't know enough about the problem or is it because this problem doesn't affect us? Because sometimes these things are blips that, you know, don't matter yeah. to a big incumbent. But yeah. not not minding that store, I think, is a risk. I, I feel like one of the kind of boulders that you kind of have to push over is oh my God, we can't possibly respond because the world is just changing so fast. Like it's Mm -hmm. just impossible to get your head around it. And I I was sitting here one day going, is that like true though? Not to say there hasn't been an enormous amount of change in the last three years. But when you like look at decades, like the change between 1920 and 1950 was massive. Like multiple times bigger than what we're facing today. So it's almost like, you know, don't, like, don't use the, the crutch of, well, it's just too hard. Like, everything's just so big and fast, we couldn't do it. And I, so I think there's a little bit of that. And then there's a little bit of, 
well, there's these new technical affordances. So without even really understanding client need, well, let's tinker with that a little bit because maybe these things kind of meet in the middle. And then at the same time, like I know for myself and I think a lot of people, their views on a whole bunch of societal things have just changed a lot. What's important to them, who they're loyal to, where they get information from. So then you kind of layer all those things together and you're like, huh, it's a bit of a stew to try to, to, to kind of tease out the thing that we always knew to be true is no longer true. This new thing that maybe we never really considered before all of a sudden is a thing. I want to sort of stay on the, this uh, path a little bit with you on, so, you know, innovation has been happening for a while at Sun Life, whether you think of Sun Life as innovative or not, I don't know. Um, But the more, more importantly, can you share any um, of your experiences and they don't have to be about Sun Life. They can just be whatever, but in terms of where you think, you know, the FinTech effect has actually created, you know, the wrong um, response um, or, or maybe, you know, examples of where, you know, things have actually worked out really well. And I, it, whatever you, you can sort of, you know, protect the, uh, the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to learn about any, you know, secrets or anything, but like, you know, I mean, I could, uh, I could talk about partnering um, situations that have been disasters for the startup and frankly for the incumbent and why. And that's one example, but yeah. Do you have any that come to mind? Well, I just think, um, I think you're right. I think that big and small and trying to find some kind of collective middle ground that Mm -hmm. is not for the faint of heart. And, you know, I would say to you, having navigated that previous to joining Sun Life, it's really complicated and hard and, the financial industry has never really done it. They've never really had Mm -hmm. to do it and they've never really done it. So it's, it's hard and it's never been done. And I don't know that there's always enough empathy and understanding for the position of the startups. And Mm. there's, there can be this organizational arrogance of, did you know we're gigantic and we've been around since the dawn of time, (laughs) which, you know, is not a constructive position to set up a partnership from. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a big disconnect too between tech stacks and like what's near term possible. Yeah. Um, and then this, like, we have such a monopolistic kind of environment in Canada that oftentimes I'll hear, well, like, no one's doing that anyways. Right. And it's like, right. Okay, okay. Like, <laughs> maybe it's because it's a poor idea. That could very well be. Maybe yeah. there's no market fit for it, but maybe just because it's this tiny little incumbent and or tiny little startup and for them to have gotten so many customers in such a short amount of time, like that's not something that you should not kind of study and try to understand why there's a center of gravity there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it kind of, I hope that it lifts all boats. Like I hope big incumbents watch with a bit of humility and a bit of curiosity, like, Oh, (laughs) this is happening, this is converting, this is what people are drawn to. At the same time, startups, I think it's hard for them to appreciate, like, we have all kinds of regulatory and, you know, we have legitimate reasons why this is hard. And it's, even if there's a desire to do it, it also isn't easy going big to small. So 
Yeah. You know, but then there's this belief that, you know, big companies either can't attract the right people or if they attract the right people internally, their processes are so difficult that a lot of this stuff dies on the vine. So mm-hmm. I really think the, the most efficient path forward is not to recreate the wheel, is to try to figure out how, mm-hmm. what each party has that the other needs yeah. and then put the ego aside and say, we're coming to the party with this. You're coming to the party with this. This is the sort of cake we're going to make. We're going to do it together for 18 months. We're going to give it a little oxygen um, and have some intentionality around it. Otherwise, you know, big companies spin on their mainframes, little companies spin with no clients. And at the end of the day, clients go, why is all this suck so bad? It's 2023. (laughs) Why am I waiting seven days for my money? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh huh. I just, uh, I have so many uh, things popping into my head. I just went through the process of starting a new company and, um, I'll, I'm writing a kind of a two part blog about, you know, some of the good and the bad and the ugly of what I have gone through. But yet again, um, you know, getting a bank account, which should be so freaking easy, um, has been, has been crazy. And, um, yeah, I mean, it It can be kind of frustrating when you think about all the challenges that you have to go through and, you know, um, to get something like a partnership with a startup happen or, you know, uh, advance your capabilities to allow people to digitally open accounts. Like, those things are tough. And um, do you have, like, in your mind, is there you know, a straight sort of path for someone who like is in your position, you have the ability to affect change in your organization. Like, what do you do first? Well, I'll tell you all the ways that did not work and kind of this new thing I'm testing and I, the jury's (laughs) out on whether or not it will work. But, you know, when I first joined, I was all, you know, full of energy and enthusiasm and was going to change the world in the next 90 days. Well, you can't actually do that. Um, then it was like, there's these amazing startups. So I'm going to explain to people in the business that I know have these challenges. I'm going to try to be like matchmaker to say like, I know you have these challenges and guess what? There's a company that's like solving that problem. You could right. like get it for like a million dollars next quarter. Like you could do it like <laughs> next week. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That also did not land. They're like, we don't want to do anything next week, Anna. And I was like, okay. Um, and also that's a gift. Like, listen, we didn't ask for that gift. You came with this big bow, this gift with a bow on it. Like, who? it's not my birthday. Get out of here. So I was like, okay. So we did that some is... futures work. With... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think anyone who's listening to this has got to, and if you're in a, a role um, that involves, whether you call it innovation, whatever you want to call it, that is, uh, bo- all those situations happen, right? <laughs> Well, listen, I've, I've done it. Yeah. I've ran into the cement wall at 100 miles an hour. I don't recommend it to anyone. It does not work. Um, doesn't matter the people. Doesn't matter the startup. Doesn't matter the idea. It just doesn't work. So this, yeah. we did a bunch of foresight work with one of our business units, which was, A, personally for me, super great to understand that there was a group of senior leaders who were willing to kind of go on this journey to yeah. do a thing that was like not comfortable for them, not necessarily kind of their background, educational background, their experience or anything. So like, 75% of me is like, this is a win just because they're willing to do it. They're willing yeah. to take their time, which is their most precious resource, and do this thing over here. Yeah. In, in so doing that work, my new strategy that I'm testing out, which I think 
even if I run into the cement wall, I will do it at a slower velocity, right. um, is to say to folks, like, this is the thesis. Like, do we have religion on this thesis? Like, outside mm-hmm. of the tech, outside of the impact, out, like, just on the problem. Mm-hmm. Do we agree that this is a problem? And if we agree it's a problem, how relatively complicated and near-term is the problem? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think like everyone in their own mind has a slightly different articulation of the problem, a slightly different output. Like they can read the same PowerPoint and go, yeah, 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 we're aligned. Mm-hmm. But then when you say, mm-hmm. well, the solution is this, they're like, whoa, that like, no, I didn't quite see it that way. Or, oh, I didn't realize the implication. And so spending a lot more time at the outset to really, again, make sure that like just because it's an industry problem. Is it, a, is it aligned with our kind of 2024 strategy? Like, yeah, is yeah. this something that we wouldn't even have people to work on? Like, do people that are going to sponsor this work, do they, are they enth- not just, yes, I agree it's a problem, but like enthusiastically, I endorse us spending time to try to solve this in the way that you've articulated. Right. Which wow. sucks for me because you know me, I just want to get started. It's like, can I just start and I'll just like <laughs> let you know how it goes. So I have to be like, okay, gear down, back her up. Well, and do you think that there is, um, so I have a theory that, you know, uh, good things will happen based on what you just described, but you know, the best and easiest path would require a top down approach. Like, because very few people, um, and, and I mean, like, like you, I've been, you know, running, I've, I've run a bazillion miles into the brick wall, both on my own behalf and on, on behalf of clients. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, yeah, there's all this stuff we could talk about, about what it feels like to be that person. Um, because, you know, everyone thinks that these roles, like role that you have is so glamorous and yet, you know, it, it really is more thankless than it is glamorous, right? Because you're trying to affect change and, um, and, and bring new ideas and ways of doing things to the organization. And then, you know, I really do think if you don't have a top exec, who's willing to say, if we're committing to this, then, you know, we may not use the same rules and processes and, you know, there, there may be a different rule book for this. So I'm going to tell you, you know, like, we're not going to go make the startup go through a procurement process, right? Like, whatever the example is, but yep. that would be the straightest path. And is it, so you're nodding. Um, I haven't decided whether or not we, we, we may want to release some video, but um, I didn't ask you ahead of time. So, but you're nodding. And so you agree that that is the straightest path. So if you don't have that, do you just sort of pack up your toys and leave the sandbox or what do you do? (laughs) Well, I think you have to, like, my thing is this, like, you have to go find where there's energy for this sort of work. So Mm. I am much less committed or married to like a problem or a line of business or like, I'm much more drawn to, here's a group of people who are very committed either because they get it or more often than not, every other way has not worked. So mine's like the last way they're going to try. They're not enthusiastically trying it. They're just like, all our ways didn't work. So you can give a kick at the can on this. Um, Because then at least 
Like it's not the gift that no one wanted. It's there is some energy initiative, something like this thing needs to be solved. It's already been identified. So like less about in a perfect world, we'd start at the beginning and like do all this work. Cause I'd love for yeah. it to work like that, but sure. it just, it doesn't. So yeah. it's like, okay, next best is you started a thing. You've recognized that it's not going well. You, you yourself are hitting a wall. You phone a friend. That friend is me. The best thing I can do is like come with empathy. The last thing I should do is be like, well, if you just freaking well listen to me in the first place, we wouldn't be here. Like the worst. <laughs> yeah. The best yeah. thing is like, listen, it sucks. Like you're off the path and you know it and you don't know how to solve for it. And I don't know if I can solve for it, but I'll try and I'll like meet you where you are and hold your hand and like, we'll try to figure this out together. Um, that has been a lot more useful than initially when I started this role, it was like, we shall find the biggest problems in the company and you yeah. shall fix them. And it's yeah. like, no, of course that's not going to be the way it works. Cause all of those business units, they're trying to solve it in their own ways. And lots of those ways are probably really good. I think innovation is needed, but it can sometimes have the, uh, you know, the creation of it can sometimes have a very, you know, unintended consequence, right? Which is if you force it to be something that everybody has to go along with, you probably disengage a ton of people who say, I actually very capable at improving my retail banking, you know, onboarding experience. And if, yeah, that's a priority. And I'm glad you see that. Just, you know, leave it to me. Yeah. Or, or how about this here? I'm, I'm actually going to tell you, uh, Anna, the expert, how I'm going to go about it. And if you have any suggestions on ways that we could maybe learn more about the customer and how to make sure we're solving the right problems. Great. Otherwise, I don't think I need innovation to come in and take this over and, you know, put it in well, a the, lab or right. Like the problem is all like every, cause in every company's going this way. It's like, well, if it's cool, it has to be innovative. And if it's innovative, it might get funding. So then everyone stamps everything innovative for self interested reasons. Listen, I get it. But like changing your website is not innovation. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're fixing crap that you probably should have fixed a long time ago. So like go, yes, fix it. Like for sure, fix it. It doesn't, all this stuff doesn't have to all be labeled innovation. And I feel like we've kind of over-rotated to either everything that we do needs to be innovative in some way, whatever that means, or it absolutely needs to have some new spangled tech. And mm -hmm. it's like, maybe it does. I don't know. Tech's just a tool though. Like what's the problem? And then how's the yeah. tool related to the problem? Like we're, we're doing, a, I'm doing a big workshop in a couple of weeks in Toronto with our emerging professionals network, which I, I love that a we have that I didn't even know that existed. So like junior professionals who have self identified that they're going to be my boss any day now are part of this group. <laughs> awesome. um, and I freaking love it. I was like, this is there's a group, there's 500 people in this group, like this is amazing. Wow. Huh. And awesome. they said, we want to run our first in person workshop, we were told that you could do that for us. And their original kind of idea was, well, let's do a design sprint on generative AI. Because of course, that's mm. what they said, right? Mm -hmm. And I was right. like, okay, well, how long is this workshop? They're like two hours. I was <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so like, we can't do that in two hours. That's not really a thing. <laughs> yeah. But like, and let me flip it because all of the, all of you guys are like early to mid career professionals. You're not running a project, but you're influential and you're smart beavers, like you're eager beavers and you're smart. So people are listening to you, which is amazing. So maybe the best thing that you could do 
is ask better questions. Push your leaders, like push your leaders a little bit, not to change the entire scope of the project, not to say you're doing it all wrong, but to say like, have you thought about this? And what about this? And what about this? Because you're at the perfect level to do exactly that. So we built last week, we interviewed five people about their thoughts about generative AI in their personal life, in their professional life, and then personally, and then through Mm -hmm. a work lens. And it was, as always, fascinating what people Mm -hmm. kind of said in terms of their relative comfort level. And then the only thing we're going to do with this amazing group is say, start thinking about how might we statements or opportunity areas. But Mm -hmm. I want you to do it through the lens of these three personas, one who's extremely optimistic and one who's somewhat skeptical. Because if this thing that you're trying, if you think that you think you want to do, you almost always skip, is it desirable? Yeah. It's like, can we do it? Yep. You know, is it on track on budget? Yep. Do we have the capabilities in house to deliver on it? We do. Does anyone want it? Not a clue. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, that is so true. Yep. It's feasible. It may, I mean, we can beat to death how feasible it is. And uh, yeah. Um, very interesting. Your point about technology, too, you were telling me your story about your recent. Um, financial product that you had to get. I don't know if you want to share some of the tidbits of that, because it's interesting how at the, in the end, the result was it had nothing to do with technology to, no. to solve your problem. Yeah. yeah. So during the pandemic, I sold my city house and I moved to the middle of nowhere, as you well know. Um, a major Canadian bank had my business account, my personal account, my mortgage, my kids' accounts, all the accounts. Um, and when I discharged that mortgage, they like I cannot describe to you how frustrating that experience mm. was. Um, mm-hmm. And I got really angry about it because I thought, Lord almighty, like you, I'm all in to you. Like you've got mm-hmm. all, all the lines. And so I went on a little bit of a Twitter rant as sometimes I want to do. And he's <laughs> former CEO of Libro Credit Union, who I knew socially in London, but didn't really know Steve Bolton. He DM me and hmm. said, um, Anna, listen, I see your recent, frustration he's like we've realized during the pandemic that up until very recently we always dealt with a very specific geographic region and so we've never really considered or anticipated going outside southwestern Ontario but Hmm. we've had two years with all pretty much everything closed all the time and it hasn't really affected anyone in region so we've been talking about doing something like outside of region how do we expand our scope outside of southwestern Ontario And you like new sparkly things and you are willing to kind of suffer with, you know, some hiccups and bumps in the road. Would you be willing to be our first beta customer out of region? And so I honestly, Sue, was like, I've never even really considered joining a credit union. Um, But I'm really angry with one of the major banks. And I'm Mm -hmm. not like, oh, my God, it would be so much better if I just went to this other bank. So I thought, why not? Like, I'm going to give this a try had this very human connection managed through technology, just like we're talking today, asked a bunch of questions around, like I'm not near ATMs and like, how do I do some of the things that I used to do in branch and walk through a bunch of scenarios. And they were like, listen, we want to figure this out. So we are going to be much less, our policy is, and much Mm -hmm. more, what do you need? And like, how can we actually deliver on that for you? 
And I have to say, I've been thrilled. Like my wow. husband's like, I call and they're nice. We call with these problems where we're like, we need to like wire this tradesperson like a significant amount of money. And I've always been told the threshold limit was an interact imposed limit. Yeah. I call Libra yeah. and they're like, no, no, that's an institutional limit. Like if you want to raise it to more than three grand for a day or two to facilitate this transfer so that you don't have to kind of go to the what? bank. They did. They were like, you know, when's the start date? How much money do you need? And when Jeez. are you going to transfer it? And so it was like three days of a much higher limit. And then wow. they went in and they turned it off for my own protection because they don't want fraud, obviously. Yeah. And I was like, I was always told that was not the banks in the bank's control. And they're like, well, I did. I actually thought that, too. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, like for your protection, we do like to keep it to the three grand because it's just it's better that way. But if you have a one off use case, like we're quite happy to accommodate it. And so I've had like zero issues, despite now needing much more complicated sort of advice. And I'm so physically distant. But yeah. I will say, I think this orientation to what is it that you need? And how can we help you get to where you want to go? has made all the difference as opposed to our policy is or the path is or you can't cross this line because of this they've been very creative about well if we did this and then we added this then we we get you where you need to go and you don't have to you know fly to the nearest branch and sign something in ink nope i've been all um docusign all remote um wow anything that i've had to do because you know if you're a member of a credit union you get access to every other credit union. And I think yeah. they told me that's like 49% of all the bank machines. Like it's, it's better than trying to find your bank's branded machine. Yeah. And I live in a steel town. That's a union town. So there's three or four credit unions in the Sioux. So there's all kinds of ATMs. Like if I just need a, a bank right. branch um, and anything that I would t generally do in a branch um, I've done over zoom. Wow. And so Okay, so the, the devil's advocate in me says that's a small institution mm -hmm. and that big bank that you were talking about, I mean, they can't possibly operate that way, right? I mean, they're just, just not enough people. Is that, is that wrong? Like to... I don't know, because if you think of the major banks, they've got people galore. If yeah. anything, Libro lacks footprint Libro lacks the number of staff but I will say every single one of those staff members that I've interacted with to date has been very empowered so as opposed to saying you have to right. do it this way or I can't do that yeah it's like okay well let me think for a second like what we could do um, yeah. and that to me like listen I'm not expecting magic but just the orientation of we're going to listen to what it is that you need and we're going to try our darndest to try to figure out a way to deliver it to you like yeah. I have not had that kind of service ever. <laughs> I've That's had a pretty, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I have, um, but it was because of a person that was with one of the banks who, and we got lucky and we were part of one of their special programs that um, gave us access to a person for anything. Like we, we could, you know, in the, in the old days, we obviously had to call him, but, um, but that is, to, and they, and, and he was empowered. And so we, anything we needed, he did. And now it's, you know, we actually stayed with him. And even though we're um, on Vancouver Island, he's in Guelph, Ontario, or not Guelph, uh, Georgetown, Ontario. <laughs> yep. He's still our, he's still our guy. Um, 
But without him, I wouldn't be with that bank. And actually right. that, that bank has tested my patience so much um, with the move, not because of that, but because of starting a business. Like, I can't believe that there is still not anyone who can open an account with the slightest bit of complexity, which is not that complex. It's just a new small business, has two shareholders. Yep. Can't friggin' open an account. Like, that is just inexcusable, in my opinion, that you have to actually, oh, anyway. Well, I, I watch some of that because I've certainly experienced that. And then, you know, you hear the rationale, right? It's, you know, anti-money laundering and know your customer and all these things, which, listen, yes, sure. there's lots of legitimacy to that. And, like, banks need to be cautious and whatever. But then when you see some of the breaches, like, I don't know, maybe six months ago, I can't remember which bank and I probably shouldn't name it, but like $37 million in what they called a sophisticated fraud. And mm -hmm. I read the article. I'm like, they're kiting checks, though. Like the mm. 1980s called. They want their, you know, white crime back. Like check kiting? <laughs> we couldn't catch check kiting in 2023? Yeah. Yeah. So it's then like, I kind of like, go like, I don't know. Yeah. I have two minds. Like, yes, I get why they want to be cautious. Yes, I get that there's a lot at stake. And, you know, sometimes these things need to be the process that they need to be for reasons. I get that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a lot of time a crutch because if you can't figure out how to stop check kiting, I don't think Sue Britton Inc. and her two shareholders are going to bring a major financial institution down. Like, I'm pretty no sure we can figure out a way to set up a checking account for your business. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have two months of mixed transactions. I have to go and reconcile and, you know, I already have a business account with them too, which is the other thing, which is just pretty sad, not to mention all my personal stuff, but anyway. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the moral of the story is that um, people are still very important. And yep. I, I absolutely want to do more digitally. In fact, if I can't do what I want to do digitally, knowing that it can be done digitally and that there's no real good reason to not let me, then I don't want to waste my time going and seeing somebody. Yep. But, but that person, you know, working for that institution should be proactive, should tell me when I'm about to do something that's not good, should be there for me when I need to talk to them and get advice. And I, I'm finding now that actually in my, all of my interactions, that's what I'm gravitating towards is this happy blend of, you know, digital when I need it and a human that I, that adds a ton of value and that I trust. Yeah. I think it's the 80, 20, like 80% of the time, everything I do is boring and pretty standard and I don't want or need to talk to anyone, but 20% of the time there's like material reasons that again, I don't do this for a living. Like I want mm. someone who does this for a living to be like, if you do this, this is the upside and the downside. If you do it this way, this is the upside and the downside like mm -hmm. that. I can't really do well digitally. Um, we, as part of this, this kind of hackathon design thing we're doing, there's a great <laughs> article in Forbes that talked about ChatGPT as your financial advisor. And listen, ChatGPT crunched the numbers, but all of the kind of punchline <laughs> of this article was all the nuance of goals. So like you yeah. want to retire, but how do yeah. you want, you want to retire on safari? Do you want to eat cat food in like a basement apartment? Like, <laughs> how do you want to retire? Cause it, it really yeah. matters. It, yeah. All of that nuance was gone and it didn't really get compounding interest or like government supplied benefits. So oh, yeah. 
it was like a math solution to a much more complex human problem. And the human advisor in this, this story kind of said like, it probably takes me 15 or 20 hours of conversations, thinking about it, if I'm really going to do this well, to actually yeah. have a customized plan. You and I can go on and like put, put numbers into some online yep. calculator. Yep. But you need a person. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. I'm actually, I just found a brand new uh, company to, to move my stuff to for that. And the biggest reason I went there, it was a complete fluke how I met, how I came across them, but was um, they didn't actually, they weren't really, you know, <laughs> people might laugh, but they were interested in our money, but not, not without a proper plan. And then a commitment that if we would fit their customer profile, which is someone who will help to keep the plan updated and current as we go on, because things change in life. Sure. And, uh, I'm like, yeehaw, like, thank you. I don't, I don't hear anything from my financial advisor today. So that's a, so, okay. I, I want to wrap this up. Um, my hope is that, um, and by the way, you're welcome anytime to, I'm sure people would love to pick your brain. Um, but I know you have a day job and, uh, and you also do a lot of this. So I appreciate, appreciate you taking the time today, but, um, I'm kind of hoping that moving forward, what we can do is offer, you know, solutions to problems, um, help create ideas, uh, or inspire ideas or, um, you know, um, just bring some, you know, some, I don't know, community to the table to kind of help people that are trying to really do great things like you are. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe just have a place to vent. <laughs> well, and I, th- I think you're, I think the what you're trying to do is so important because I'll often say to our teams, like, go find people that, you know, that energize you because there's lots of people that this is really scary for. And most big organizations want it to be this kumbaya, everyone at the same time moment. And that's yeah. just not how human beings work. And so, you know, you can't win them all. And even if you don't, like, oftentimes I fail, most times, but it if it extends the conversation or if it makes people think a little differently about something, or if the next time you knock on that door, there's less resistance, like, that's not a bad outcome. Yeah, yeah. Why do you stay in it? Honestly, the problems and the potential for impact are so huge. Mm-hmm. Like, this is people's you know, the when they think about not being here and protecting mm-hmm. their family and, you know, saving money and doing those things, like the affordance of a gigantic company is if you can even get one small idea, like it doesn't have to be some big global thing, but just one little small idea, you can impact thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And if you can, mm. a lot of it is like, make it suck less. Maybe it's not the big innovative idea, but could it just suck less? Like, could we make it more seamless for people? Could it be more intuitive? Could we just get a clue and try to figure out how people live their lives? Like, it's stressful for people. And so making it suck less would be good. You know, coming up with something that really serves people. And you know, my obsession is kind of people under 40. Like, how are we thinking about the next five or 10 years with 
people that have not been necessarily in the crosshairs of our kind of mm-hmm. biggest, mm-hmm. most ideal customers, because they're coming and their needs are so different. And so I just, I'm always looking left and right, like, okay, this thing's mm. working well, but like, how is that going to work or not for the next wave of clients that are coming through? I love what you just said about how, you know, the, the special thing about big companies is that they can, you know, tweak one little thing and impact tens of thousands of customers. Huh. Very cool. Well, let's leave it there then. Well, wonderful. It was such a pleasure. Anytime. Oh, um, right back at you. <laughs>